Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Word About Well. My name is Kevin. And this is Van. Oh, very nice, sultry <laughs> voice there, Van. What we do here on this podcast is take a common sense and easy to understand approach to all things money. Um, and we will define concepts. We'll talk about easy stuff. And we'll talk well, about money. Well, today we'll talk about more easy stuff because I know the last, right. the last few episodes have been really heavy in the details and That's stuff correct. like that. But I, I hope they're good weeds, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I, so. I definitely think so. So, uh, But Van, disclaimer. Yes, it is important to note here that we are not financial advisors, nor do we pretend to be. What we share on this podcast should be taken as general entertainment and should not be misconstrued as... Um, Official financial advice. Yes. Actually, uh, let me rephrase that because I know that it should it should be taken. Well, you should think of it as like general education and financial entertainment, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually reading an old script here, so that's what <laughs> threw oh, yeah, me off a little like, bit. What are we reading here? <laughs> oh, that's pretty I think funny. I think it threw you off a little bit yeah, too. Yeah. I was like, so. oh, this doesn't seem right. Sorry, sorry, folks. <laughs> sorry, folks. But all good. Yeah. Uh, this week we're gonna be doing mailbag. Yes, mailbag. 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 Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about this because you know I, I think pe- we get a pretty good general response when people um, get to hear about a lot of the questions our listeners are asking. Right, and frankly, we get excited too. Yeah, when we see these. Agreed. And but- this week we're actually gonna take a step back a little bit because we realize we've been getting a lot of emails from folks asking pretty more general questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know in some of the previous mailbags, we would dive a little bit deeper. Uh, but this time we're going to be a little bit more general and they're very easy to understand concepts, but I think they're actually very common as well. Right. Wait, you didn't tell us what kind of pants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew you were waiting for this. Not what kind of pants we're wearing, but what kind of show this is. Yeah, this show. What kind of pants, we're, <laughs> what kind of pants this show is going to wear. Yeah, yeah. Say. that's correct. So we're going to make financial uh, finance and money feel like a warm, hot meal after a cold, cold day at work. Oh, that's right. A cold, cold day. That's right. I mean, it's, it's something foreign to you and I. Yes, correct. But, but I would imagine yeah. it's nice at nighttime yeah. to have a nice hot meal if you're in the East Coast and it's snowing or something. Oh, man, that sounds that sounds um, delightful. That was a call out to my yeah. East Coast fans. Right. East Coast fans. So. <laughs> Uh, oh, but we have just another disclaimer, yeah. don't we? <laughs> yeah, so last week we got a lot of flack on uh, our geography skills because clearly we failed <laughs> in uh, US, uh, at least U.S. geography. It was and just abbreviations, states. man. Yeah, okay. yeah. We know where states are. Right. Kind we, we, we kind of know. <laughs> but I just want to make some correction here is that uh, we last week when we were talking about 529 prepaid plans, we talked about there was a, some states that provide guaranteed um, you know, tuition versus non-guaranteed. So for the guaranteed Again, it's uh, Maryland, Virginia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, not Michigan. Mississippi. Uh, yeah, Florida and Washington. And then for the non-guaranteed, it is Michigan, uh, Nevada, uh, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and Texas. Because I think last last week I put MI for Michigan and MI for Mississippi. Hey, so. we own our mistakes, man. <laughs> right. You know, hey, you know, we call it like it is. Right, exactly. So, yeah, st- we stand corrected, folks. We stand corrected. My apo- We apologize to mm. Michigan and Mississippi. Exactly, yeah. Um, hope those listeners will continue to listen. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I don't even think we, we might not have any listeners out that way, frankly. But with that said, <laughs> I uh, let's dive into our first question. Does that sound good, man? Let's do it. Okay, so this is from Bobby from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What's up, Bobby? Uh, what's up, Bobby? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Bobby's actually a friend. 
This is actually my oh, friend. Really? Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, surprise, huh? Oh, that's surprise, surprise. Uh, I saw Bobby yesterday. Um, he uh, was in town and he actually started listening to the podcast sure. a few weeks ago and actually asked this question yesterday to me in person. So I, you know, I've actually put it in the show notes for today as mm-hmm. the top of the top question. Wow. Um, so it was a last minute ad here. But uh, Van, his question is this. What is the best way to invest my 401k and how do I properly read the fees involved? So uh, we've talked about 401ks quite a bit in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to give a little bit more context because this was a much larger conversation that I boiled down to those two questions. Oh, really? Wow. Um, basically, you know, obviously there's a lot of different ways you can invest in a 401k. And if you have questions on that, I encourage you to listen to the 401k episode that yep. Van has always, put together. We've got to always plug that in. Always got to <laughs> plug that in. We also talked about a Roth IRA episode. So there's things. But I think his his question, let, let, let's break that up into two parts. The first question when he says, what is the best way to invest in a 401k? You know, Van, I was hoping you can help answer kind of more from a general perspective. Um, again, just the approach to looking at a 401k, which, of course, is an investment uh, retirement vehicle. Right. Um, if regarding, you know, it's like if someone is very new and they don't really have the time, because that's really where I think Bobby is right now, mm-hmm. is that he's he's saying, well... How do you make that a shortcut for some folks? Sure. What would you recommend on the best ways to tackle something like so, that? Again, I think it comes down to the type of investor you are. So if you don't want to learn, or not a bad, that's a bad way to put it, but if you don't want to spend so much time to manage yeah. it, then I would just stick with one of those uh, target funds because those target funds will do that work for you automatically. And in general, the, those fees don't really go above, I would say, uh, maybe a half a percent or so. And so I think if you just want to do it in an autopilot way, that's that's a really good method to do it. Can you remind folks what a target fund is again? Sure. A target fund is... Uh, is a fund that where when you are younger, it is super aggressive. And then as you get older, it will uh, automatically become more more conservative. So uh, in a way, it's just kind of putting your retirement on autopilot and you're relying on this financial firm to manage it for you automatically. Got it. And what, I, what the problem I see most of the time is I see uh, accounts where or 401k accounts where they have like a target fund and then they also have a bunch of other funds that, in addition to that, which is kind of the wrong way of doing it. Because the idea of a target fund is you just got to pick that one fund, target fund, and then just let it let it ride. And don't, you don't have to do anything else in addition to that. Because if you if you invest in any other fund in addition to target fund, then it kind of negates the purpose of why you have a target fund there anyways. Got it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So I, I think that's great. And yeah. I think you said most investment institutions will have target funds. I think they all will. Oh, well, <laughs> because um, because there's a reason why they don't have uh, HR doesn't provide a 401k, you know, how, you know 401k 101 seminar, right? Because yeah. I think one, they don't want to be liable in any ways, which uh, they can get around that, I, yeah. you know, which I don't understand. But and two, um, it's, you know, it's something that if most people don't want to spend that much time managing their retirement, so it's just a simple way for people to, to do this. Got it. To, uh, to actually contribute and so forth. Perfect. But if you are a little bit more savvy and you want to actually get into some of the details, um, the way I do it is I would actually, instead of listing, because I think most people look at, um, list all their retirement, all the funds from like, um, what did you do? It's from like highest gains to lowest gains, and they just pick whatever the highest gains are. Um, I don't do it that way. What I normally do is I, I list it from lowest fees to highest fees. Yeah. And what you're gonna see is you're gonna see like a few fees, uh, like you know a handful of funds um, that have um, really low expense ratios, like I would say 0.2 percent or under, and then you have everything else that's usually at least half a percent or over. 
So pretty much anything. Um, so when you when you look at it that way, um, you're really reducing all of your 401k funds from like, you know, maybe a couple dozen to like maybe five or six. Nice. And to, from those five or six, those are typically um, uh, what we call index funds because they're not these funds are not necessarily managed funds or they don't. Nobody's really managing these funds per se, um, but they usually just track a specific index. Right. And which is why they're a lot cheaper. Got it. So. Out of those six funds, that's kind of, you know, I, that's kind of when I would um, select, you know, my asset allocation on what, um, what you know, a form of 401k. Because typically the, those index funds um, include like a like a large cap fund, meaning it's like a S&P 500 type fund. There's a, they usually include a mid cap, um, small cap and international in addition to bond funds. So and really um, those are kind of the building blocks of um, your that, those are the, should be the only things that you should be investing in in your 401k anyways. And got it. Actually, there's also an international fund usually too. Got it. So that's that's kind of what you want to do. I mean, is Bobby looking for like you know what how like how many percent uh, how, like how much in large cap I should do versus mid mid cap and so forth? Or is that what he's looking for? You think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think eventually um, it would be good for us to kind of almost do an example. Okay. Um, I'd love to kind of dive into that. Sure. At some point, I think his question yesterday was more of uh, first of all, he was giving a suggestion that that might be a good idea to do because okay. he thought that that's that would be really neat for people because there's a lot of people I think he's saying I don't know if he's included in, in this to be honest okay. um, he might already know how to do all of this stuff we sure. didn't get really talk that deeply about that but I think his was he was making helping us make a recommendation that mm-hmm. that might be a good thing for people to really think through sure. um, and actually walk through like how do you read a line item of a of a Vanguard uh, you know stock and then how do you actually see oh this is the expense ratio this is what it is okay uh, which i think you have a lot of experience with uh, right. than having done it yourself uh but it's like he was saying like oh it's like how do you pe- how do people see what the fees are sure. how do you actually see it on the line etc so it depends on the type of brokerage you have for your mm. 401k right because every website is going to look a little different but I, um, but in general, what you have to do is you have to click on each fund and yeah. then you have to uh, look at there's usually different tabs and so forth. And a lot of times they're not I mean, they could be listed as fees, which makes it simple. And then under the fees, um, you can look at something called gross expense ratio. Mm. And that's really the number that you're looking for um, to tell you what the fees are. Now, with my Fidelity 401k, when I look at I have a view where I can look at all the funds that the 401k provides. And then there's also like a column for fees. So that way I can, um, which is, you know, cause the stupid thing with, with fidelity is that at least in this website is I can't sort with the fees, but I can sort through other, like other columns. Oh. But so what I do is I just copy it into Excel, paste it, and so then I, I sort it there, right? But yeah, it's kind of a, it's stupid that you I can't sort with the fees. <laughs> yeah. So that's I mean that's the easiest way to do it. But otherwise, you can just click on every individual fund. Got it. And let's say like certain I've seen certain four hundred one k portals where it just that portal just sucks. Yeah. And then it's really hard to do all that um, to do all um, to look at all the fees and all that because maybe it's not even there. Yeah. But what you can do is you can go to like uh, finance.google.com or, you know, one of the or finance.yahoo.com. Yeah. And then take that um, like the the description of the fund uh-huh. and then plug it in there and you can find all you everything nice. you want there. OK, because mm-hmm. those are those are really important when you're looking at oh, yeah. a 401k, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say and I would say that the 401k um I wouldn't worry too much about returns because especially if you're doing an index um, and most indexes follow, um, you know, follow some sort of trend in the market anyways. So if you do that, you know, um, more than likely, it's always going to be increasing over time. Right. So don't worry. I wouldn't worry about uh, returns there. Um, The only time I would worry about returns is if you look if you're going to do individual stocks in your 401k. So like, for instance, your own personal income. 
company stock. Got so it. that one you may want to look at returns, but as you're looking at an index, then don't worry about it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, well, that, that sounds pretty good on the first question, Dan. Sure. Why don't we move on to the second? Sure. Uh, this one comes from Tina in New Jersey. Uh huh. She asked a pretty simple question, and I know this is something you're always, you're always constantly looking at. She asked, "What is the best credit cards to get right now, okay. and why?" All right, so credit cards. This is, um, to be honest, it's not my personal forte, but yep. I mean, I can give you what my opinion is. Just personal experience, yeah, yeah. So I generally like to stick with the Chase products, and I, you know, again, we're not being um, we're not being paid by Chase nope. to say this at all. But actually, what we should do, we should probably provide Chase links, like referral links, yeah. <laughs> in our website. No, so uh, it's just a, just an idea. But in in any case, um, the reason why I like Chase cards is because the points that you get, um, gain from those cards are super, they're probably the most flexible points you can use um, in, from any card. And um, you can use those points to, you know, not only pay for your travel, but also you redeem like gift cards and so forth, right? And they're usually pretty easy to obtain, and um, and you're not really restricted like blackout dates and things like that either. So uh, keep that in mind. But well, and I'll add to that what sure. I you what you taught me, man, mm-hmm. about Chase, which I thought is cool, is that they're. A redemption on the travel is one and a half times, Correct. which is really neat, as opposed to dollar for dollar, which is a lot of some of the other stuff. Correct. Yeah. So actually, is one is one and a half times if you book your travel through the Chase oh, Ultimate right. Rewards right. portal. I should say that. Yeah. However, if you you can actually transfer those points to other airline um, airline points, and uh, and those transfer one to one. But the thing is, um, like I was talking to my my coworker sits next to me, and he says that in general, if you can get like anywhere more um, between one and a half to two cents per point, like in real dollars, then that's a good deal. Oh. And in many cases, when you transfer it over to an airline, let's say I, tra- I transfer from um, my Chase points to United, um, you know, the conversion could be like instead of one, uh, you know, one point to one and a half cents, it could be like one point to two cents oh, or nice. maybe even three cents because um, like sometimes you can, if you're not flex, if you're extremely flexible with your dates, you can find like really cheap deals um, with um, under the airlines. So you kind of have to do the math, right? So for for instance, if you you can do it where you can book it through, you can compare your costs when you book it through the Chase Ultimate Reward Points, and then you could compare it if you were to transfer those points to like a, one in the airlines to see which one costs less. But um, I mean, but with the with the Chase cards, you can do all of that. Got it. And the ones that I like right now, I would say, are the um, Chase Sapphire Reserve, mm-hmm. um, because um, even though they don't give you that hundred thousand yeah, points anymore, right. but I mean, they give you they do give you fifty thousand points off the bat, but still pretty good. Yeah, yep. and and then there's also the uh, Chase uh, Sapphire Preferred card that um, I'm, I'm currently going to get um, because I've actually just canceled my reserve um, and I'm in the process of getting the preferred card at Got the moment. Um, but there's actually another card. Yeah, that, I was yeah. gonna say there's another card that's really good right now. And if you live in California, so t- um, Tina, I don't, unfortunately, this doesn't apply to you because you live in New Jersey. But in California, oh, it's only California. It's only California. Oh, I did yeah, I know that. So okay. if you apply to the um, the Southwest card that's associated with Chase, um, I don't remember what it's called, but I think it's like Rapid uh, Southwest Rapid, Rapid Rewards or something, or something like yeah. that. Um, so if you apply for it uh, before. November 30th of this year, which by the time this airs, it's been long gone. Yeah. Um, you can't, any flight, any flight that you book um, in 2018 will get a free companion pass. Wow. Pass. So in a way, it's basically a buy one, get one free for all of 2018. Wow. Yeah. So which is a super good deal, especially if you already fly Southwest today. Um, unfortunately, this is not subject. If you already have a card or you have, um, uh, you know, this card like at least 24 months ago or you currently hold it today, um, then you don't you don't go qual- uh, qualify for it. But um, it, for new people, yeah, this is a super stellar Pretty deal. Crazy. Yeah. 
And um, I guess one more thing before we go to the next question is Chase has something called the 524 rule, which is um, very inter interesting compared to other ones. Um, the, the 524 rules means that you can always, so whenever you sign up for a new Chase card, you get those, these bonuses, right? Yeah. And uh, in most most companies like American Express and other companies, um, whenever you get, you can only get those bonuses one time in your lifetime. So, mm. um, right. Whereas in Chase, um, these bonuses actually uh, reset every 24 months. Oh, nice. So uh, the 524 rules says that you can apply up to like five Chase cards and get those bonuses. And those, those points, uh, those bonuses can reset every 24 months, meaning you can cancel it and then 24 months later open it again and get those same bonuses again. Wow. Yeah. So that's, which is a really Very unique cool. for Chase. Yeah. Good for Chase. Yeah. And one thing is keep in mind is um, if you are ladled with debt though, <laughs> uh, I don't care what kind of credit card yeah. <laughs> you get. <laughs> so I would say that, you know, if I would only recommend, um, I would only say to get these cards if you plan to pay off your credit card payments every single month uh, in full and so forth. So if you plan to, that. if you plan to, keep, if you plan to keep a balance in these credit cards, then I would say don't, I wouldn't even touch these yeah. uh, with a 10 foot pole. Right. Very true. So you just be, remember, just be very responsible because there, there are, the interest rates on these are still really high. Yep. And, um, you mean it's you'll be lucky if your investment portfolio you know gets those interest rates. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> uh, and that's an excellent segue to our next question, Van. Right. I like what you did there. Oh, you know, uh, I, I didn't do that intentionally. I know, I, know, I know you didn't do that intentionally. That <laughs> yeah. was that, that's the best types of segues. Sure. Uh, this is Gerald right in okay. our backyard, Costa Mesa here oh, in Orange Costa County. Mesa. Oh, we, he, yeah, he, right he can visit to, our studios. Yeah, he, he wants can <laughs> visit our studios. That's pretty uh, pretty generous of you. But uh, he said he, he asked this question. He says, what is debt consolidation and how does it work? Now, I know this isn't a topic that we've talked about in, in any of our episodes so far, but mm -hmm. we have touched upon debt sure. um, very early on and throughout the podcast uh, series that we've done so far. Um, debt, obviously, is one of the most important things that we want to avoid. Mm -hmm. um, as we're building wealth, it is probably, would you, it's like the devil of the building devil. wealth, right? Yes. Um, so when it comes to debt consolidation, I know you, you know, you mentioned you're not going to, you're not necessarily an expert and we haven't done as much research as we would like mm -hmm. on the consolidation part, but just, can we talk generally to answer Gerald's question? Cause my, the, the sense that I got from his email was that it was just more general. Like, like what is this idea and okay. what is the general uh, way it could work. Sure. So the general idea of debt consolidation is that let's say you have several credit cards or you have several um, student loans and so forth. And each of these credit cards and, you know, your type of debt may have, they usually have different interest rates, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, one, some can be low, some can be high and so forth. Right. But um, the general idea is if you, if you, um, if you can consolidate them into one loan and then, and have one single interest rate for that loan, Got it. So that's really the 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 way it works in it from a general sense. So it's like lots of different loans, mm -hmm. and then you find one institution mm -hmm. that then says, "I'll take all these loans in mm -hmm. with the anticipation that you're more likely to pay off this these this one loan Correct. versus several loans." Correct. Right. Got it. And the thing is, um, I mean, some things that people don't understand is that. If you have a bunch of loans and they have different interest rate, um, and let's say like one has like, you know, a 3% interest rate, another one has a five, another one has a 10, 12 and so forth. Yeah. If you consolidate all that, it's not like they're going to consolidate to like the lowest interest rate that you yeah, have. Yeah, right? yeah. So you should really be smart about which one you want to consolidate because um, if you consolidate, you can, they can give you like a 5% or 6% loan, new loan, but um, which is great for the ones that um, you have more of, right? So, I mean, the ones that have... Um, 
there are loans that have a higher interest rate than five or six percent. But if you have loans that are lower than five or six percent, then, you know, definitely do not consider those in your consolidation because it doesn't make sense then. Right. Yeah. Do, what What do you think is the incentive for people who are the the people who are loaning? The lend the lenders okay. of those loans to like work together to consolidate. I mean, it's just it's guaranteed. Well, uh, semi guaranteed income for them, right? Got it. Because right now, if you want to get some sort of you know quote unquote guaranteed um, you know returns, uh, you can go through the treasury or something like that. But those interest yeah. rates are pretty pitiful. Yeah. But if you have a loan and um, you are giving this loan to somebody with good credit and so forth, then more than likely they're going to pay it back and. You know the interest that you earn from that, you know, should be still profitable for them. Got it. Right? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's go on to this question. Comes from Lisa oh. in San Diego. You're also here, wow. here on the West Coast. Oh, it's just got a lot of West Coast representatives West Coast, here, huh? Right. <laughs> uh, she asks very simple question: Should I pay more than my mortgage payment? Should you pay more than your mortgage payment? Um, it, de- it really depends yeah, on this it's one. A, it's a pretty open-ended question, right. frankly. I, I mean, I I would say it's good to always pay more um, if the intent is to get rid of, if you want to get rid uh, debt-free, right? Yep. And you're following the Dave Ramsey model and um, wanna, don't want to you know be um, slave to the lender any yep. longer. Uh, so that's fine. But you also have to realize that when you pay more into your mortgage, there is an opportunity cost there. Um, especially in these climates nowadays where your interest rate for your mortgage is, is really low and the um, earnings in the, let's say, in the stock market is really high. Yep. So, for instance, I have a 3.5% um, interest rate for my mortgage. But mm-hmm. in the, in t- this year to date, I, I think um, my gains were like like 20%. Yeah. So if I had to, if I were to put, you know, all of my money from, you know, my, um, any extra money I have every month into my mortgage, then I'm going to be losing out on that 20% this year. Right. Right. So, but, in, but, in, but keep in mind though, that 20% I get from the, uh, from the market, the stock market, it's not guaranteed. Right. Correct. I mean, it's going to be, some years going to be lower, some years going to be higher and so forth. And two tracks. Yeah. yeah. So, but the thing is when you pay out your mortgage, that's, that's guaranteed. Yeah. Like, so it really, you know, do whatever makes, um, puts you, uh, you know, lets you sleep at night, um, yeah. Lisa. And um, yeah, I mean, th- this one, I can't really say if one is better than another, um, yeah. which is the main reason why I actually put I do both strategies. Right. Yep. So I kind of put, you know, I split whatever money I have at the end of the month to um, put extra, uh, put the half of the money into the mortgage and uh, paid extra mortgage and then the other half into the market. Yeah. And I think this is a good question, Lisa, because <laughs> frankly, Van and I do, we're actually do this differently, you mm-hmm. know, whereas I, I'm not really in the stock market. Uh, I'm really just focusing on paying off the. Uh, the the mortgage and making extra payments every month. Mm-hmm. Van is doing that plus, but also doing a lot on the investment side. Correct. So when you say Van, um, if Lisa says I just want to pay extra every month, the benefit of that, of course, is you're you're reducing the amount of interest over the the lifetime of your loan. Oh yeah. Which to your point is three and a half, if whatever percent, right? That's what you're saving. I mean, I think if you could even add an extra payment, um, like a full extra month payment that year, I mean, I think it yeah. can reduce it by like something significant, like five or six years or something yeah. like that, right? It's it's pretty impressive how yeah. much. I I love playing with those calculators. Like, right. ooh, if I could do this. Uh, but to your point, mm-hmm. if the stock market, especially if it's doing well, like it has this year, mm-hmm. um, that's the opportunity cost, right? Exactly. Which is, imagine if you could make... That all that extra money you would have put into your mortgage, you put in the stock market, mm-hmm. it grows to a, a substantial amount, and then you take that to then attack it all at once right. to the mortgage is another philosophy. You right. Can go. So I've actually done that math, and if I were just to pay the minimum payments on the mortgage and just put the rest into the stock market, then it, it from a from a 
projections, it I, I would make like you know hand, you know a lot more money hand over fist versus paying yeah. off my mortgage, right? Um, I think it was like I, I could almost triple my my projected portfolio balance wow. or something like that. But again, that's all theory. Yeah, and if you know. For me, I would much rather get rid of all the the debts and risk in my life, so that way, um, you know, it just frees up a lot more cash flow. Understood. Uh, month to month. month, to month. I yep. mean, I know some people, um, some a lot of people in the FI community, um, financial independence community, kind of uh, may poo poo on the idea of paying off your mortgage early because of that math. But again, it's just it's just my preference. At this yeah. yeah, I mean, it's also a risk tolerance level, right? Ben? Exactly. I mean, yeah. So Lisa, whatever. You know, either way, options it can't hurt if you're in the position to be able to pay off additional every month because you have that disposable income that's a plus exactly you know, totally a plus exactly let's do our last question uh van sure. this i thought it was very interesting and you know it seems very logical and seems very straightforward but at the same time you and i are, are dumbfounded sometimes when we hear like there's still people who are following this boat and right. not dumbfounded to say oh we're high and mighty it's just we need to like we really want to encourage all of our listeners to work on this right so travis from milwaukee mm-hmm. wisconsin he asked should i just pay the minimum on my credit card bill each month why shouldn't i it mm-hmm. seems very you know it, it, i'm extrapolating on his question right which is look it's you know my credit card bills you know what three thousand dollars this month my minimum sure. payment's only 15 you know 150 dollars right why wouldn't I do that? $150, I, you know, I, my take home, I can swipe that much more. Who cares? You know, it's like it's credit card bill. Maybe, you know, eventually I'll settle with them or something right. like that. I, you know, it's like we, you and I are with this building wealth. We talked about debt being the devil, right? right? The devil of the, uh, of, of, of building wealth. But so for us, obviously the, we just talked about the credit card question too, mm-hmm. about don't even think about opening up a credit card. I feel like it's a it's a it's a weakness, definitely. But we're finding more and more people when we talk to them, mm-hmm. um, and we even you know just the question from Travis. It sounds like credit card is still a a, uh, a weakness for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit about. Let's just break this down. Sure. You know, so first and foremost to Travis's question: Should I just pay the minimum payment on my credit uh-huh. card bill? And why? You know, I heard, I know you're shaking your head, Van, but why should why should they not? Oh, Travis, Travis, Travis. <laughs> Travis is a listener. We yeah, I know, I know. But okay, so here's my We're take. We're here to help. Here's here my take help. on this. So the only re- way I would think that paying minimum on your credit card payment is if you are trying to get out of your debt. Um, if you're trying to follow Dave Ramsey's snowball method or paying or trying to f- figure out a way to aggressively pay off your credit card de- yeah. payments, right? Um, but in general, the reason why you shouldn't pay the minimum cr- payment is essentially you're going to be paying those, uh, you know, that bill f- almost forever. So for instance, if you were to pay, buy, let's say you were buy a, you know, a, a $50 video game, right? If you were just to pay the minimum payments and by the time you're done paying that, right, that $50 game could cost you, you know, closer to like $100, right? So, I mean, you may be thinking, oh, I, I... Interest. Exactly, right? So Because the interest rates on these credit cards are usually in the double digits. So, usually more than... I mean, even my lowest credit... My credit cards uh, range from at least 18% and above, right? So... 18% on, <laughs> on, you know, a $50 game. And, you know, if you, if you were to pay a minimum payments, um, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, it's just kind of the opposite of building wealth. Let's put yeah. it that way, because you want that interest to work for you in your investments and so forth. But when you have, um, you know, credit cards that, um, have such a high interest rate that works against you, then it's just going to always negate your wealth every single time. Got it. Because I mean, you may have saved, let's say that $50 game, you saved like, you know, tr- 20 bucks 
because you found a coupon somewhere, right? But if you use your credit card and only pay minimum payments, then you know that coupon is worth nothing because now you're paying like double <laughs> by yeah. the time you finish paying it off. But I would say just it's bad news if you want to do yeah. that. Now, I mean, I know um, maybe we should. You think we should reiterate what the snowball method is? Yeah, and I all think that? My, I think this makes a lot of sense to talk about that. Now. Sure. Yeah. So the snowball method, which is something Dave Ramsey coined, is um, you, you list all your pay, your debts from uh, balance from smallest to largest, and basically you you pay. Um, you pay minimum payments for everything but the smallest one and anything left over, you just kind of throw everything you have at that smallest debt. And then once you get rid of that smallest debt, you just go on to the next smallest debt and then, you know, pay everything in that smallest debt while paying minimum for everything else. So and essentially, you're kind of building up the snowball mm-hmm. um, when you knock out one debt after the next after the next. Right. Which is which is great because it kind of gives you a real sense of like accomplishment mm-hmm. and so forth. And it's super psychological and like it kind of, you know, makes everything um, seem more hopeful. Right. Which, yeah. is, which is great. Um, unfortunately, I would say that's not the most optimal path. Um, but again, if, if that path works for you and I think if it works for, if it just makes you feel good every day, then go by all means do it because either way it's still, um, it's still a good path to go down. Right. Yeah. And definitely should be doing something like that other than, just pay minimum on everything exactly because you're right. just going to drown in debt over time exactly right, and um, then and then this um, the other method which is the high interest first method yep. is kind of similar where you list all of your um, your your debt from high highest interest to lowest interest and then similar similar idea is just you everything all the other um the highest payment uh, highest interest uh, card or debt, you put the most money into that one first, and then you pay minimum for everything else. And then again, once you knock that out, you go to the next one, do the same thing, and you know, uh, wash, rinse, and repeat, right? Yeah. yeah. And most of the time, it's going to be credit card. Consumer debt probably is the highest interest, right? It could be credit card. It could be student loans, and it could oh, be whatever, true. right? I mean, yeah. um, it, because more, you're right, because more than likely in that case, the mortgage would be at the very end. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> right, agreed. So, I mean, I, I actually want to continue talking a little bit about this um, uh, question from Travis Van. That sure. just as we close out, why do you think that you know, even though you hear about the fact that like you never want to be in credit card debt. You mm-hmm. never want to, you know, it's crazy interest rates. They, we hear about it all the time. It's like mm-hmm. 15%, 16%. But consistently we hear from people like, oh yeah, yeah, I have credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, even, uh, I'll give you an example. Even when I, you know, for my business, we, uh, we have some clients of ours that we are partnering with and, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like credit card debt is something that's on their books. So we're vetting whether or not we want to invest in this company, mm-hmm. right? And it's like that was a huge red flag for me because I'm like, it's one thing if you have like uh, accounts rec- uh, payable to factories because you're manufacturing sure. or your cost of goods. Fine. Like, cool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but they literally have credit card debt that's sitting at over 90 days past due. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'm like, like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're. You want us to invest, but yet you aren't paying off like a bill that's literally it's like fifteen thousand now mm-hmm. because every month it's adding like another five hundred, six hundred bucks right, to right. it. And I'm just like, that's it's like, but it's the psychology behind it. I I, I just wanted to hear your thoughts, man. Like, okay. why do you think consistently we hear people <laughs> seeming to fall into this pitfall? Because it seems oh, like man. something that should be fairly like we like. This should be the first one you need to really attack, right? right? Oh man, like that's, that's a hard a, question. Well, because it has so many layers, right? It because does. there's it does. the um, there's a sociological aspect, there's yeah. the uh, economical aspect. Yeah. There's the uh, um, you know, just your even 
you know, because I feel like today, you know, things like advertisement and things like that, like, you yeah. know, when the next iPhone comes out, everybody's kind of, oh, I got, I got to get it. Yeah. I, I got to, tr- you know, I got, um, I always have to, you know, this, kind of perpetuate this consumer mentality. Right. right. And then I feel like everything, because back in the days, I would say when you would buy something, you would plan to keep it for a long time. Yeah. And then you just kind of hold it on for like years or maybe even decades and so forth. And you didn't, you're not really, you're not really pushed to really buy the next new thing. Right. Yeah. Because the next new thing may not be that big a deal. But I feel like with today's marketing and advertisement and so forth, you know, the, if you were even one generation behind, you are, you are losing, for instance. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, I know, I remember I had my old like non-smartphone for the longest time and people would make fun of me and so forth. But I mean, but the people who make fun of me are those who would um, upgrade like every year or every two years or something. And I mean, typically for me, I try to keep things, um, even my cars, like at least a decade (laughs) before I sell them, uh, before I get the next one. Right. But most people think that, oh, I should, I should, you know, at least, or, you know, I should buy a new car every three to five years. And when you do that crap, like, you know, you're going to always have a a monthly payment. You're always, you know, you're not going to have enough money to invest and you know and in turn how can you build your wealth when you always, when you always have these monthly payments right yeah and if you I mean, can you imagine like if you had no um credit card payments no mortgage no um no car payments and so forth how how fast can you build your wealth right yeah and i think that's the that's the the short sightedness that I think most folks um uh, most people in america at least um are not seeing is that they 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 find like a lot of the things that they buy are necessities when in reality they're not. But I mean, it's, that's kind of the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, this, don't get me wrong. I'm no saint either. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, we I, all I, use credit cards too. I, I use credit cards and I spent, sure. you know, this last Black Friday season, oh, I just, um, I just went nuts. I mean, man, you gotta cut yourself. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's, I mean, maybe I went nuts compared to what I'm used to, but yeah. maybe from other that's people, true. that's, that's their normal spending every single month. And if I spent that much every single month, it's, yeah. you know, that would just, I think that would be way excessive, right? Let me ask you this, man. Just last question here. Mm-hmm. In terms of, if you like, let's use let's use a, a little Heather as an sure. example. Yeah. Heather comes to you. Heather, of course, is your daughter, right. one of your daughters, older daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you may have heard her earlier. <laughs> uh, if she were to tell, like, if you you found out that uh, I'm trying to think of an age, maybe she's not 18 because mm-hmm. 18 is still young. Let's right. say like she's our age, sure. 30 years old, right? And at that point, you know, we'll still be recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 30 years later, <laughs> um, she says. You find out she's still in consumer debt, credit okay. card debt. Maybe she's a massive oh, credit card debt. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I know. Oh my this goodness! Is like, this is like <laughs> this is my nightmare. I know. Goodness. I'm just saying. Let's just say that that happened, sure. right? Uh, you know, and she. But to her credit, she was raised well. She listened to the podcast. She's like, okay, I want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give for someone like her to, if, like they they she's in this boat? Like mm-hmm. we hear of many many Americans and many of our even our listeners as well as some of our friends and family mm-hmm. who are in this boat. What kind of advice would you give her to, kind of get out of the cycle of mentality? Is it literally cut up your credit cards? Is it mm-hmm. kind of like, like really having a, a a thorough review of your lifestyle changes? Like what would you do or what would you say to her at that point? So I would say I would really agree. Um, I kind of cite some of the Dave Ramsey yep. um, teaching and philosophies here, right? So first of all, you have to really want to be able to want to get rid of this debt so much that, you know, that you're willing to do something about it. Because I know most people think that debt is bad. I mean, I know people understand that portion, but they don't understand the power of not having any debt and what, how much freedom that gives you and things like that. Right. Or, um, how profound that is. And 
I think until they are willing to get rid of their Starbucks or they're willing to get rid yeah. of like certain things that are not um, that are not essential to their life, then you know you can't you, you can't really go past that step. So yeah. you know, I would sit down with Heather and say that you know how badly do you want to get rid of this debt? Yeah. Because if you want to get rid of this debt, there has to be some uh, some major changes in your lifestyles to really obtain this, right? Because it's kind of similar to losing weight and being fit, yeah. because. You can you can lose all that weight to you know to fit into that you dress to go to some wedding or some prom and all that stuff right but if you don't ma- continue to maintain that then it's it's you know what's the point of you know try, uh, what's the point of losing weight in the first place yeah right so is so similarly if you if you just you know have the mentality of, oh, I just want to get rid of this one credit card debt and then you know and I'm not going to change my lifestyle either then you know six months down the line you're going to still have that you know the big debt and so forth so you have to really have that mentality shift where you just want to say that I, I don't want debt in my life anymore and I want to um we need to figure out a way to how to figure out how to not um continue this bad behavior so you really feel like is this it is a cycle very psychological it's extremely psychological yeah yeah, because it's not just dollars and cents right it's actually it's your behavior and it's um it's really your mentality in in all this Um, i absolutely believe that cool Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for that, Ben. I know I know we spent Travis probably more than you what you wanted to hear, <laughs> but frankly, uh, we we both Ben and I felt strongly that this is something that seems to you know plague a lot of people, mm-hmm. and we wanted to make sure that for those of you who are in that boat, definitely get a chance to kind of hear through mm-hmm. the other side of this and why we why we're so adamant about helping you guys get out of this piece because right. i think credit card debt is 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 a crutch that a lot of people use that yeah. we don't need to so i mean I, even when i look through my email box i see like a bunch of like ads and all that i mean and yeah the more you can set that to junk and, yeah. and then so it filters into your junk box so true that's the better or just unsubscribe to a bunch of lists and things like yeah. that and you i mean you wouldn't care if there's a 20 percent sale in yeah. um, macy's or amazon yeah. and things like that right but yeah, I mean, well, it's, if you're like me, like I consistently walk through sometimes my house, I'm like, man, I wish I didn't buy that. Mm-hmm. I wish I could just literally change that back into the cash that it was yeah, at yeah. one point in time, right? Yeah. And like, oh, and now it's I mean, worthless. Look around me, <laughs> there's just a lot of stuff around here. But you've been doing really well about trying to sell stuff. That was pretty cool. Yeah, but again, it's, it's still, I, it's, I'm still getting the dollar, I'm, exactly. Though, I'm getting yeah. pennies on the dollars on what I sold, right? So well, it's 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 still a lose lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might as well. The best purchase sometimes is the one you don't make, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, let's close out, Van. Uh, where can folks find us or email us uh, if they have any questions? You know, you know the answer to that. Just saying. <laughs> I like to so, pose it up for you. Set it on a tee. Certainly. So you can always email us at awordaboutwealth at gmail.com. And you can also, in addition in addition to that, you can also contact us in at our website at awordaboutwealth.com in our contacts page. And again, please uh, continue to rate, review, and share this podcast because it's, again, it's um, it will... Yeah, you know, we really appreciate it if you guys can yeah. do that. Yeah. We're really excited that we're starting to, I mean, obviously a lot of our friends and family mm-hmm. are actually interested, which right. is really cool, but they've started to spread the word to their friends and mm-hmm. family. And uh, I'm getting some feedback from those people now right. about, right. you know, like, oh, you know, they like this and that. So that's, I think Ryan and I are encouraged and inspired by that. Hey, should we give them uh, like a little taste of what we're going to do for the following Oh, episode? yeah, you should. Yeah. So, what, should. Van, you want to kind of walk us through what's going to happen over the next few episodes? Yeah, so we're going to have a special <laughs> international episode for that's you That's right, international. Yeah, so we're going to travel across the pond. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> um, actually, this coming weekend. Um, that's right. And uh, we're actually show going... Show on the road. Yeah, we're going to take the show in Australia, Oh, folks. that's right. <laughs> Yeah, the land down under. The land down under. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible accent. But anyways, you're gonna. Uh, so we're actually we plan to interview some uh, Australian, real Australians, real Australians, real life Australians. Yeah, so you're gonna hear like actual legitimate um, 
Australian accent, not just our crappy ones that we just said, but uh, we, and our plan is to we're going to have a, a few, um, maybe two or possibly two, two or possibly artists, three yeah. Yeah. Um, episodes on you know this this financial life of people who live in Australia, yeah. and because um, I'm sure like the main principles will be the same there, but I think the the way they do uh, do retirement, the way they invest, and things like yeah. that may differ greatly. So well, and I think what's it, it, it could be totally different, or you can find that they're actually very similar right. thought process, mm-hmm. and I think you'll find that a lot of the things that we encounter here may, is not just to us you right know? and i think to your point laws and things are different but mm-hmm. a mentality of when it comes to debt that doesn't change right so right it's all the same but yeah so i mean we're excited yeah we're excited to hear that i'm, I'm actually uh yeah i'm pretty uh, i'm not looking forward to the flight with two kids but i mean okay. it, the cool thing is at least uh, kevin will be on that flight so yeah, whenever right next to you yeah, <laughs> whenever i whenever i feel uh, tired with my kids i can just hand them off to kevin i'm yeah. just gonna put my earphones yeah. i'm just gonna put them to sleep no of course we'll, we'll help out uh, heather <laughs> heather heather and, and, and eleanor, eleanor. I hate these acronyms, man. This sucks. <laughs> this is fun. This is not fun. Um, All right. But we'll go from there. But the last thing, just again, keep sending those questions because it really helps us um, kind of set up these shows right. for uh, Reader Mail. And it also grounds us too because yes. if, if we're going too much in the weeds or we're going yeah. too advanced or you like, right. you know, or the topics we talk about are just not interesting to you, then let yes. us know. Cool. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Right. Take care.